Morning, church. Go ahead and have a seat. How are your marriages doing? Didn't see that intro coming, did you? Has the, uh, has the fighting increased? No? Ours is about you in our home. My wife may not know it yet, but it's going to start real soon. Because you know what's going to happen, right? She's going to reach for that thermostat. I can feel it. Every time I step in, I feel that breeze come like, oh man, my wife's hand's getting itchy. She's going to want to turn that heat up in the house. And I don't know about you, I'm always shooting for November 1st. Someone said amen back there. Because every time I hear that furnace kick on, it's like the bank account just starts depleting. <laughs> Man, that's some cool breeze today, isn't it, folks? But uh, we're in for a good day today. This is to kick off Love Atlantic. And one of the things I realized going into this weekend is how much I take for granted that I get to be a pastor. I, I take for granted all those times and all those stories and all those moments when I get a front row seat to stuff like Love Atlantic. I, maybe you have too. I'm not, I'm not presuming you don't, but I probably forget that I get to as readily as I do. The amount of times I've had the privilege of taking a grocery card to a family or to a person and they could not afford groceries unless a card showed up. I, I don't know if you know, maybe you do, but most people don't get to roll through Sobeys and just chuck in whatever their appetite desires. Most people don't get to go on to Walmart, shopping online, whatever, and just toss, 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 toss until they, they feel like it and they hit check it. Maybe you're like, I can't either. No, I know. That's my point. So many people don't just buy groceries on a budget. They're deciding between items. And for us to get to do things like Love Atlantic, for us to do things like Compassion, and to show up to somebody and put a grocery card in their hand and to know that made a difference for what their kids could take to school that week, man, right? To, to get to slide down, and we joke about the oil, but to get to slide down and put money on someone's oil bill that's, the bill's climbing faster than their ability to pay for it, and they may never know, but they'll call the church later and be like, do you know anything about my oil bill vanishing? And just to hear it, to hear the appreciation and gratitude on their voice. Uh, for you to drop a meal off at a family, they didn't have to do it, and they weren't sure. Like, to do those things, I think I take for granted how readily I get to do that. Uh, the whole point of Love Atlantic is to help us do it together, but not just like, hey, pastor, I'm sending you on my behalf. No, like, how do we do it together? How do we be the hands and feet? How do you go sit beside somebody who just had a severe doctor's appointment and they have no idea what the next 18 months bring? And you think, I couldn't possibly have anything to say to that person. Here's the best news I could ever tell you. They don't need you to say anything. I've sat with people going through a difficult time, just shared a coffee, sat in their living room, maybe prayed, maybe didn't, and I left, and three weeks later, they'll say, oh, that time was so important, or those things you said to me meant the world to me. I didn't say anything. And so we get to do that. There's something so incredible about knowing you made a difference. There's, there are people who participate in Love Atlantic now who are the recipients of Love Atlantic benefits year one. 
So like we got to show up, bless them. They were so moved that God nudged someone to bless them that they now sign up to be a blessing to somebody else. Kind of that whole pay it forward movie that went around 20 years ago or so. There are people who had their life changed. And I can go on and on and on about how incredible it is to show up and make a tangible difference, to show up and know that our blessing may move them to change their family DNA, or that they would go and be a blessing to somebody else, or they participate now. I would love to go on and on and on with stories how it always goes that way. You know there's another side, right? Yes, no? So we're just going to pause for half a second. Online, just push pause. We're going to engage on this one. All right, folks? Deal? I think there's something in the air. The first service was super, super quiet, too. But this one, I'm already revving about 8,000 RPM. So are we ready? This is just like fair warning. We're going to do this one together. All right, so here we go. Back in the sermon again. Uh, I would love to tell you that every time you love and bless... It always goes well. Man, those times, you show up, you're on Dave's team today, you run downtown, and you're cleaning, and you're weeding, and you're sweeping up a storefront, and you're like, look at the store owner, like, see what I did? Like, so? You show up to someone's house, and you give them a meal, and you put a grocery card on, their, on top of the meal, and it's like, okay, thanks. They walk away, you're like, photo? <laughs> like, invite me in to participate with you? Then there's times where you give sacrificially, and you're like, I know they won't waste this gift. Then you find it on Facebook Marketplace, like four days later, <laughs> a few years back. I, there was a, 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 some people in Yarmouth that I love dearly who had two old, decrepit, broken-down things. We'll keep it vague. And I thought, man, how amazing would it be to swap out the old, broken, and busted for two new versions of it? And so I tapped a few people on the shoulder. We raised some funds, and I'm super proud. I've got these things with me. We, we take them down, and we knock on the door, and like, the pastor is here with a presentation. Yeah, that's what this, you can see where this is going. And I, I, I give them these two new things. And I leave like, man, God, it is so good to be used by you in your mission. A couple days later, I see these people with their old, broken, busted-down version of the new things I just raised money to give it to them. So graciously, I went over and was like, hey, you're using the old things. Where's the new ones? We sold them, Pastor. And they were so proud. <laughs> We sold them and kept the money. <laughs> we laugh now, right? But what do you do when it's not funny? What do you do when you sacrifice and it's not appreciated? What do you do when you drop the meal over and you have this weird feeling, this isn't appreciated. This is going to be in the compost bin in four days. <laughs> what do you do when you invest and it's spit on or traded, or it's not uh, to perpetuate. Like, what do you do when it backfires on you? I don't know about you, but most people, because I talk to a lot of people, they get jaded and cynical. And they tell themselves, that's not going to happen to me again. 
I'm not going to waste my money. I'm going to make good investments in the future. No one's going to spit on my gifts. Or you'll have people say, I'm not doing that again. I gave one time and it wasn't appreciated. I gave and no one said thank you. I gave and the favor wasn't returned. And what happens is, if you don't have the right motives and the right filter going into things like, at Love, like Love Atlantic, it can actually be worse for you than before you did it. If we're not careful that we're not living out of the right narratives with the right framework for life, doing things like this with all the emotion and the excitement and the adrenaline can actually backfire and make you more critical and jaded before. You believe that to be true, don't you? Some of you are critical this morning, aren't you? <laughs> Some of you are having flashbacks of a time that you gave, you invested, and it wasn't a good investment. It didn't return. You're like, man, that happened to me too. And they walked on me. They spit on my... Here's the deal, folks. We don't do things like the rest of the world. We're not a humanitarian group. We're not the investors club. We're the church. We're the church. And so when we do things like Love Atlantic, when we serve, when no one sees it, when we move about our community, when Love Atlantic is long gone as just a weak initiative, and you're still serving and being the church, you're going to be tempted to ask yourself, is it really worth it? No one says thanks anymore. No one's appreciative. No one this, no one that. Matthew 25. Jesus knew you would feel these things. Jesus knew you'd say these things. Jesus knew that we'd be tempted to pull back, to pull in, to protect ourselves and say, I'm not doing that again. I tried that whole loving thing, and it backfired on me. Jesus knows that. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. If you have your Bibles or phones with you, would you turn there with me? If you don't, it'll be on the screen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Right is always a position of honor in the Bible. Where did I leave off there? Uh, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, and you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For he was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also answer, saying, 
Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal fire. Sometimes the Bible is inconvenient. I want to read a passage and talk to you about serving and loving, and we're bookend with Jesus' second coming and eternal reward or eternal punishment. And I find the contrast of subjects inconvenient. Because one of the questions I get asked about, well, two of the questions, let me give you both of them. I don't get asked a lot of theological questions. You'd think I would, but not as many as you would guess. But two of the questions I get asked a lot is how did our story begin? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God. He created everything. You're like, well, how did that work? How did God make the heavens and the earth? And how many years ago did he do it? And what about this? And what about 24-hour days? And, 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 and. So in the beginning, how did it start? And the second question I get a lot of is, how does it all end? Because it says there, Jesus coming back. There's this judgment day, standing before God, all the nations have gathered. And people are like, well, how does it all end? And what happens when we go to heaven? And when does Jesus return? And I watched this movie, and it wasn't helpful. I read this book, and it was less than helpful. And then this thing, and this thing, and this thing. And I went to a funeral, and that theology really confused me. And there's all these questions about how did it begin, and how did it end. And what's interesting is Jesus does not give us a lot of prescriptions and details on either end. What we have concretely is that God created the heavens and the earth, and that Jesus is coming back to renew all things to the intended design. Do you hear that? I need to apologize to you on behalf of a lot of pastors who are reluctant to talk about the end times, as they call it. We're reluctant to talk about Judgment Day. Please hear me, because you will insert a wrong narrative to why we don't do it. It's not fear. It's actually uh, a misplaced humility. There's so much we don't know about the how and the when and the manner that we forget to talk about the why. He is coming back. He will set things right. He will make all things new. The goal of the end of the story, the goal of what God is up to, is not to take you to heaven someday when you die. Read all of the Bible to the end. Revelation 19 says Jesus is coming back this direction to recreate to make things right again. The way the garden was is the way he's going to put it again. And in our inability to unpack all of the logistics of it all, we shy away from it. I can't tell you all the logistics any more than how God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence, but I cling to the fact that Jesus has not abandoned. His kingdom is here in part, and it will be in full one day. Do you, that, do you hear that? But it's interesting that he drops that as the context, the backdrop, that Jesus will come back and he will have us gather around him and our lives matter. And the subject of our lives here is how we engage with people. Fascinating. Of all the things that could be on the topic there, it's like how we do people. Because people matter to God. And the subject of this particular story, it's like 
Jesus really loves people. Jesus really loves people. Do you? (laughs) See, the question of Scripture is not, does God love people? The question I'm left with is, do I love God people the way, do I love people the way God loves people? That's the question. Page after page, you'll see some things that will confuse you, but by and large, you'll see a God who loves. In the last two years, we have been told not to love people. (laughs) I'm not going to harp on this. I'm not going to go down this road. We're going to let the past be the past. But we were conditioned to not love people. We were conditioned to be careful of people, and love requires a proximity. And so I found myself, maybe as you have, really feeling like, Jesus, I don't think I love people. I think I tolerate people. Do you ever find yourself tolerating people? Don't lie, you're in church. (laughs) Come on now. You might even be told to tolerate people. That's not as good as the gospel. God loves people, like a lot. And he invites me to love people the way he does. And so I've been reading Matthew to get back into the Gospels and hang with Jesus as he moves through the world, moves through his day. It's like, my goodness, Jesus has time for people. Jesus allows the interruptions. Jesus slows down and touches the leper. Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi, crowds forming around him. And while all the important people are asking him questions in a field, these kids are like coming through the crowd. And what does Jesus say when the kids show up? Let them come unto me and bring their sticky fingers with them (laughs) and their fishy crackers and their VeggieTales videos and bring it all on. Like, Jesus has time for the kids, the lepers, the broken, the hurting, the people the culture says you wouldn't have time for them. Love important people who will love you back. See, the first thing that God's been asking me, nah, he's not even asking. (laughs) He's just telling. The first thing I need to do if I want to love people is to admit that I don't. Do you hear me? See, our world will tell you, just love. And if you don't love, they'll scream at you to love people. (laughs) Because nothing invokes love like someone's screaming at me. But the narrative of the world is love people. And if you don't, we will scream at you until you do. See, the actual pathway to actually loving people is to admit that you don't. And if you're sitting here right, like, no, I love everybody. No, you don't. You don't. And I can start listing off the way people live and act and will treat you or your children, and then I will say to you, do you still love everybody? You will say, no, I don't. See, I don't think we actually can step into a place where we love the way God loves until we say, I can't love the way God loves. See, the pathway to loving is those disciplines, those reading your Bible, prayer, silence, all those disciplines I was told as a kid are important, and they are, and I was told they would enhance my relationship with my Heavenly Father, and they do. What I wasn't told is I need those disciplines to love other people. 
See, I need to be in the Word in the morning to connect to my Heavenly Father. But I need to be in the Word in the morning to connect to you. Because some of you drive me crazy. (laughs) But I have good news for you. I have good news for you. I drive you crazy. See, because it's really easy to say you all are hard to love. But you know what I look in the mirror and see? A guy who's pretty hard to love. (laughs) We are hard to love because we are impossibly frustrating to each other. We need to be alone with the Father to say, I actually can't love people the way you do unless you help me. Unless you get in my bones, unless your spirit comes, unless I pray, unless I confess, unless I ask for forgiveness, unless I hold a picture of Dave Hawkins to my face and say, Lord, help me. (laughs) Isn't he doing a great job at Love Atlantic? Man. (laughs) Jesus really loves people. Jesus really cares for people's basic needs. Do you see that in the story? He loves people. He loves their soul. But Jesus cares for their basic human needs. Hey, come over here on my right. People of honor. Why are we here? Well, you're here because you gave a cup of cold water. You gave food. You visited the sick and the imprisoned. You clothed the naked. You ministered to their basic human needs. You saw them as people who are made in my image. And you love them not because they could reciprocate anything to you. You love them not because they were a good investment. You love them not because they would pay it forward. You love them because you saw them as people who bear the image of God. Do you hear it? See, I think for me at times I was raised where you were taught to serve a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Yes? And then bring the gospel right beside it. Like, thirsty? Got a water for you? Oh, thanks. Just one second. John 3.16 says, (laughs) you show up to someone's house and you've got a meal, you know they've been to hell and back, and you show up with a, a plate of food and you're like, I brought you a meal. And as their arms come out, you're like, oh, just one second. Services are at 9, 30, and 11. We'd love to see you at church. Boink. I'm being a little bit facetious, but not entirely. We invented tracks. You're like, what's a track? Don't worry about it. We invented a way to provide junk mail for Jesus all over the community. It's called littering. That's the actual definition. It was to care for their soul without caring for their humanness. Are we still tracking? Now, please do not mistake. Please, for someone who's going to walk in, be like, our pastor does not care about preaching the gospel. Settle down. (laughs) I've given my life to explicitly preaching the gospel. Yes, share the name of Jesus. Yes, and of course, obviously. But there are times God may tap you on the shoulder to provide for someone's basic human needs, and you will never know the gospel outcome You are loving them like you're loving Jesus because they bear his image. Not Christ-likeness. That's a salvation thing. God makes all people in his image. What stood out to me was not the food and water and not the visiting people. I was taken by the clothing one. He says, you clothe them 
because they were naked. He said, when were we naked? Like that whole tension there. I think there's something about the clothing, but there's something about the nakedness. I think what Jesus was speaking to was not their warmth in the winter. I think he was speaking to wrapping clothes around their nakedness as a metaphor for giving them dignity. See, I think what happens in our culture right now, if we can be honest, you guys know about everything. Everything's on the news. Everything's on social media. You'll go home today, and please, this is not humor. I'm just making a point. Some bus will have crashed, and some amount of people's lives will be lost, and you'll just keep scrolling. Because you can't care about something when you know about everything. It dehumanizes an individual life when you know about everything in the world all the time. COVID did not matter until it mattered to someone that you loved. What happens is, when we care about everything, it starts to create a compassion fatigue. Like, another person, another kid, another death, another graveside, another... Can I just please pastor you for a second? Stop caring about everything. You're not God. But, but, please don't miss this, please care about something. You can't care about everything. Don't leave here like, well, I'm going to educate every child. I'm going to take care of every single parent. We're going to put, whoa, we're going to put wells, whoa. You can't. I've met you. (laughs) But you can care about something. I've met you. So my question to you is not what are you doing to change the world? Stop it. Stop it. You're not changing the world. What's the one thing that God might ask you to step into? Somebody in this room might hear this and give the rest of their life to clean drinking water around the world. And some will say, what about the orphans? Yeah, I hope God raises somebody up for the orphans. God's called me to clean drinking water. And one of you is like, man, I'm, I'm called to single parents. If you're a single parent, I just want to give my heart to you. And like, so like, what about the widows? Yes, settle down. Somebody else will be called to care about the widows. Do you see what happens? What happens is we get our thing that we want everyone to care about our thing. You care about your thing. Let God raise somebody up to care about something different because here's the news. I know you don't know this. There's a lot of hurt in the world. We need you to not care about everything. We need you to care about something. The third thing I see in this passage is that Jesus really believes, really believes that your worship is vertical and horizontal. Jesus really believes that your worship is vertical and horizontal. If we're not careful in the church, We can be defined by our heart and our worship. Man, I love God. We gather around. We start singing songs our love of God. We just love God. We love Jesus. Love, 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 love. And what happens, you walk in here, and Brett plays one note, and the tears are coming down your face. I just, all my feelings are all swirled around. And you hear about somebody who's going through a difficult time, and your feelings get all swirled around because you leave your heart six feet in front of you. That's good. And then there's a whole bunch of people in this room who are like, give me a break. (laughs) 
As soon as the song starts, you're like, that's not right. That's not good theology. That does not pass Romans 5 verse 8. And your head is so big. You've studied so much. You know the Bible inside and out. And that's good too. And then there's a bunch of you in this room who don't like either group. Because you're just like, can we end this church service? (laughs) Yes, I know you're here. I'm not stupid. (laughs) Come on. Let's get this singing done. Let's get this talking head done. Come on. Because here's what you're thinking. I signed up to go clean the downtown with Dave's team. And all you people can sit around, singing your songs, reading your Bible, pretending you love God. I'm going to go do work for God. I'm going to build homes. I'm going to put shoes on people's feet. I'm going to do this. Because come on, if you love God, let's get to work. Let's do something that matters. I got no time to sit around being heavenly minded, no earthly good. Right? And so we got people in the room who love to work, people in the room who love to think, and people in the room who love to feel. We need you to be all three. You are a whole being. You cannot be led by your heart exclusively. You cannot live by your head exclusively. You cannot live by the calluses on your hand and the strength of your back exclusively. You are not a fraction of a person. You're a whole person. And we don't need you downtown this afternoon sweeping the streets with a look of poison and anger on your face. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord today? If you do, tell me you go to Evangel Assembly. <laughs> Nathan, you're probably watching this. I love you, man. We're joking. Obviously, if you're going to push a broom, do it with the heart that feels what you feel when you're worshiping. And obviously, if your heart and your back is engaged, don't turn your brain off. God wants you to think rightly. He cares about your theology. The series we're going into next month is all about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity, and who is the Godhead. Four weeks. If you think that's boring, you have no idea what you're in for. What you think about God matters. Not just what you feel about him. And not just what you can do for him. You are a whole person. And so church, we stand on the edge of Love Atlantic. Some of you are going to love and feel the immediate return on investment. And some of you are not. Some of you are going to take and give and serve with incredible sacrifice. And you're even going to feel the fragility of risk as you take it over. And just think, man, I hope this makes a difference. And you will think it doesn't. You may even be told it doesn't. You are doing it unto Jesus. Do you know what's interesting? When Jesus separates the the right and the left, the crowd on the right is confused. They're not confused. They're saved. They actually say to Jesus, when did we do these things to you? Because we don't remember that. And Jesus says, oh, no, you don't understand. What you have done to somebody, you have done it unto me. Maybe the most greatest thing of worship you can do to the Father today is push that broom down Main Street and pray for our town. Well, it doesn't matter. No, it it matters. 
You are doing it as worship to the Heavenly Father. And on this side, they're like, we didn't know. We didn't know it was you. Like, oh, don't you know your whole life is worship? Neither crowd knew about it, but one crowd did it anyways. And you're going to scatter across Southwest Nova, Love Atlantic or not. Church, here's the deal. If you are a Christian, if you bear the name of Jesus, you are saved by grace alone in faith in Jesus. Do you understand? However, no, no, however sounds like, and including, <laughs> in continuation, if you claim salvation by grace and faith, it must lead to good works. Must. The grace that saves will move your feet to serve. The grace that comes, the Holy Spirit that met you at salvation, will move your feet to serve. Now, if you're like, well, I'll start serving and move my feet to grace. Ah, you missed it. <laughs> what you encounter here by grace or encounter in your car, that grace from above is the grace that moves your feet out. James will come along later and drive people just crazy. He's like, no, you can't call yourself a Christian. You can't be a disciple unless your hands and feet move to serve and love the people that God loves. So church, here's the deal. Sign up or not for Love Atlantic. This thing that Jesus is calling us to is 100% participation. There's no life in Christ that does not bring us to love the people he loves and serve the people he serves. It's a natural outflow.